0: We've talked about moving to Hood River, and if we moved to Hood River, I'd have to buy a plane um, because it would be the quickest way to get to PDX to fly out. So
1: ah, that would be bad, a shame. You know.
0: I know. I know. It'd be terrible.
1: <laughs> what parking, what, what's the parking
2: cost for the week at PDX? Uh,
0: I don't know. You know, it's actually not too bad. Monday through Thursday, it would probably be the same as parking your car. A real car, at, right? At the, yeah, at, that's, <laughs> that's the most ridiculous part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it wouldn't be hangered, so it'd have to be outside. But so can you expense that? Yes, because it's a parking expense. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expense the aviation fuel more than likely, but I'd, I'd expense the mileage and the uh Wait, uh, you're allowed your parking. $0.58 cents or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> it's a plane? Because um, I'm commuting. Yeah. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to episode 297 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by the regular crew, Seth Miller, Fosma Mood. Gentlemen, how are you? Excellent. Good evening. Good evening. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's doing much better than before. We're moving <laughs> up in the world. Is, is Foz in a good mood today? Is that what is it is? Is it Monday? It's. Oh, I'm pantless, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're not doing this with cameras. <laughs> Again, <laughs> if we had a camera, you wouldn't see that. <laughs> I should say
2: tap out now. I should say, can we take like a thirty second break for me to go find a bottle of vodka? Something. There's got. <laughs> this, something has to
0: change here. <laughs> um, we've gotten the most feedback I've ever seen on the pickle and cheese sandwich. I mean, it is. It's been the most hot, controversial topic I think we've ever talked about,
2: <laughs> and, and truly shows the diversity of cultural experiences, you know, between the United Kingdom and, or I guess. Greek, I don't know the the British Isles it's Ireland included in there a bit so I don't know how the proper way to say that is but and the United States and yep. which, I don't know man
0: <laughs> well and I brought up a good point on Twitter uh, from Ed a friend of the show Ed uh, you know he, he said that pickles on sandwiches are you know on uh, grilled cheese is just crazy and I asked a question about Cubano and you that made you double-think your response from the last show.
2: I had to concede that I do love pickles on a Cubano. Yeah. But there's a gratuitous amount of pork involved in that.
0: <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Which,
2: you know, <laughs> I, can t- I, I guess I mostly consider it a pork and pickle sandwich that happens to have a little cheese on it, not a pickle and cheese sandwich.
0: Yeah, but that's where I get the idea from. That's, like, kind of my – I like that flavor profile. So. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a topic I just, that just won't die. It, it is. It really is. Uh, one other thing I thought was an interesting little tidbit. Real quick, before we get started, I had posted a question on Twitter today, um, kind of asking. And this is we're recording this on Monday, the twenty second of June. Um, I had asked the question, you know, when do you expect? Uh, just to everyone out there, when are you looking to take your next leisure trip? I was very specific: leisure trip by plane. Um, and I was surprised; it's already gotten two hundred and seventy votes. Uh, today uh and that you retweeted it seth and the, the dots lines destinations account retweeted it i'm surprised almost 40 percent said within the next th- one to three months is when they're they're next planning to travel
2: i'm not that surprised looking at what the sort of overall numbers are these days from the tsa and things like that i'm going to assume mm-hmm. mostly u.s responses based on time of day and such um yeah. and so you know looking at the tsa numbers it, traffic is trending up, but I think a lot of it is leisure travel. So it's your sort of one-off trips. It's not a regular business traveler going every week. And so to continue to do five, 600,000 people a day, someone's got to be doing it. I was actually, before we got on the call here, was looking at what airports are growing fastest and slowest uh, sort of week over week based on which ones have a decent amount of traffic. And, you know, Maui, (laughs) it's, The data is two weeks delayed because thanks TSA, but the week of Memorial Day week, so starting that Monday through June 6th compared to the week prior, Maui was up 50%. Now, mind you, it was up only to 3,800 people screened during the week, which is 10% of JFK for the week, which is up 40%. But, you know, Jackson Hole, I'm just scanning down the list, Hilo, um, Bangor, Maine. Luhui. A lot a lot of leisure destinations. Yeah. Um, and some that probably you know, aren't necessarily one way or I mean, Is Anchorage considered a leisure destination this time of year? Or is that business? I don't know.
0: I mean, a lot of people go to Alaska for the summer. Yeah. yeah. Palm
2: Beach is up big, 30% for that week. Grand Rapids is probably a mix. I don't know. Burbank is probably a mix. But uh, yeah, there's Myrtle Beach. Solid 23% gain.
1: Rocking it. That's got
2: to be busy, uh, leisure.
1: 3,800 people a week at Maui is 542 a day. Right. I'm, like, thinking, how many flights must that be? Because isn't United and Delta both still flying? And clearly, Hawaiian must still be flying between the islands. Yeah,
2: there's some – inter. I know the inter-island traffic, uh, Hawaiian announced, I think it's already taken effect, that that because Hawaii moved to uh, pick a phase or whatever, you know, um, phrasing, they did loosen things up a little bit. Mm. So, Hawaiian added uh, service back. But, uh, yeah, that's – a couple 737s to the mainland and then some inner island
0: stuff. It's not a ton of traffic by any stretch, but it's coming back. Do you – I mean, Foz. I guess the question is for you. Um, when, does, when do you plan to travel again? Do
1: you plan to travel again soon? Well, every time I try to travel, it gets canceled, so. I
0: don't know. <laughs> I just figured you were probably uh, – of the three of us, you were probably the most likely to just go stir crazy enough to say, screw it, I'm getting on a plane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where am I going to go? Right? I, I, don't, I, don't know. I can't really leave the country. yeah, And so that's kind of restrictive. And I just, I'm actually content being home, believe it or not. Are you getting good rest? Is that is that the key here? No, I've just been getting stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think that's the truth for all of us. Yeah, I'm just getting stuff off my to-do list done. So it's, I mean, it's been good in that regard. But I don't know. like I, I contemplated going to California next week. I started looking like six weeks ago. But it's like $1,100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we okay. talked about ticket prices a little bit, and it's kind yeah. of yeah. So, like, so until that normalizes, like I'm not in a rush to travel? Yeah. Okay. Now, interestingly, United's starting to add some more service, because today they flew a Newark-Paris flight during the day. Interesting. Cargo? No, it was flight 56, so it wasn't a cargo number. It was a daytime departure? 9.45 a.m. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> and it was a 788.
0: What time did it land?
1: Probably like 10 p.m. or so.
0: Oh, wow. I wonder if that's a crew rest then. So like
1: you they, can just—they still
0: wouldn't be able to turn around and come back. Yeah, with eight hours, they could just leave in the morning. They could just—they don't go into the city. Not
2: eight anymore though, right? Because you've worked a long enough trip. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it uh, it is scheduled. This is Monday, June twenty second. No, fifty six is
1: westbound, five Yeah. So there was another one that I saw. Maybe. I don't, know. I don't know. Maybe I missed it. 57 and 57 went out overnight. Okay. So maybe I just missed. It was funny. It was good when They're I it twice
2: a week. It looks like they fly outbound Sunday, Wednesday and back Monday and Thursday. And so that's a situation. Um, if I'm reading it right they, uh the crew will
0: spend three days.
1: Okay. And with the, with the
0: EU rules, do you think, how do you think that's
1: like working? You think it's working pretty easily or did you notice that it's going to terminal two E and not terminal one? Yeah. I
2: thought the, all the other terminals were closed. Oh, did they close one? I thought so. Okay. And when they closed Orly, they also closed one and three, I thought.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, yeah. How's that working for the arrival? I would imagine that the crew are exempt. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, typically that's, well, nothing is typical anymore, but that has been the position that many have been lobbying for. Mm. Uh, so. Gotcha.
0: Um, we had a, a listener wanted to kind of revisit uh, the electric plane question we we were asked you know we talked about the electric planes that are uh, making their debuts, and the question was how does the lack of fuel burn off because they don 't carry fuel affect the maximum takeoff weight versus the maximum landing weight um, and the question was unless i 'm missing something, my guess would be their weight that that their weight at landing would essentially be equal to your takeoff weight because you 're using battery which doesn 't you know burn fuel um, so yeah, just a question for us and it 's an interesting question um, maximum takeoff weight though typically on a on a small plane like that uh, you're really just limited by, you know, what are you allowed to, what's the maximum weight of the plane? And there's no maximum landing or takeoff weight. I don't know if that's true with the, the sea otter and and others, but I know that's the case for say like a Cessna
1: 172 or two Oh five.
0: But an interesting question,
1: does a charge battery weigh the same thing as an empty battery?
0: Oh, well (laughs) you want to, you want to get into like physics and uh, you know, state of matter. I I mean, I think it does.
1: (laughs) I I actually don't know. That's why I'm posing that question. I I, I don't know for certain
2: either. But if it, we're talking about like electrons disappearing from the battery, they are, can't be enough in there for it to matter, right? Maybe at the molecular level, we might find some difference in weight, but you're not measuring that in pounds. But um, it's
1: like a sponge that hold holds water, right? Is it a sponge that holds water is clearly heavier
2: than when it dries or? out? Yeah. yeah, no, it's not that. It's definitely not that. Certainly not at the level of, again, not to the level of what electrons barely weigh anything. So I'd have to find someone who actually knows physics, but that the max, the weight of the aircraft won't be measurably different for any scales that are being used to measure planes.
0: Yeah. And, and so kind of back to what I was saying, like when you, when you, when you talk about like the maximum weight of an airplane, you're talking about what the airframe can support. Um, you know, typically they say, you know, you can hold, uh, 600 pounds of cargo or something, uh, plus, you know, a thousand pounds of, of uh, person or, uh, you know, body weight. Um, and then fuel, uh, does that up your ability to carry more, um, fuel or, or not fuel, but uh, more luggage or more people? I would say probably not because of the, the weight simply of the batteries,
2: yeah, and I think the the real scenario where sort of having a different takeoff to landing weight comes into play is for the bigger planes where you can, you know, fly further because of it, Yeah, right? And they're structurally, that's basically just the impact on the landing gear and the frame of that something that heavy coming down. And so... we're looking at a situation yes the electric battery loses some of that advantage but we're never going to get to a point where i should say never at no point in the uh near future we getting to a point where we're looking at that level of range anyways so um it definitely does change the calculations a little bit but not in a way that really is going to affect you know someone's decision whether they're going to go for an electric plane or not i don't think
0: yeah yeah i agree so i hope that answers the question um yeah, maybe if someone, if there's another pilot out there that wants to talk about light, light aircraft, um, we'd love to hear from you. And or tell us how research. much
2: electrons weigh in a battery.
0: Yeah, if, you wanted, if, you're, if you're a physics guy, a physics guy or gal that uh, wants to tell us about the state of matter, <laughs> let us know. Um, so, another topic that has come up uh, that we've already talked about on the show before, but has seems to never die uh, is South African Airlines uh, what or South African airways, what is the story here, Seth? They're, they're still alive.
2: They're still alive, which is kind of the story. Um, the bit beyond that is there's a, yet another proposal for, so they, they went sort of into receivership, but in South Africa, that's basically, um, new executives are brought in to define what the new business plan should be. And then they take the business plan and say, this is what it's going to take to stay alive or, you know, to whatever, you know, the best way to spend what little money is left. Um, and then that has to be approved, including by the creditors. And the latest version of the plan has significant cuts down to like 15 planes, I think, and huge cuts to the staff and, and, and. But the really hard part is it calls for paying off in full the old debt, which includes uh, pension type things, and also loans that were given to keep it running You know, in the time between when it sort of declared that they're going into this receivership and when they'll come out of it. And all told that's another $500 million. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's, and someone's saying like, this is the recovery plan. And I response is, And and that just gets them out of this. Someone else still has to stump the cash for the recovery plan. <laughs> to fund like the next set of operation and the report the, the initial report came out and was like and they don't expect to make any money for at least two and a half for three years and then there was like a revised version that came out was like oh no no we only meant 18 months of not making money it'll be much better this way and nothing else changed really so um yeah
1: maybe all and south african should just pair up and just be the airline that never dies
2: well right but uh I mean, is it it's not like matter and antimatter or where they mix they explode, is it? I don't know. Maybe we could find out.
1: Is it pasta and antipasta?
0: I th- I think I think I think Fosh should invest at this point. Maybe he should take it over.
1: <laughs> I have thirty nine dollars I'll invest towards this cause. <laughs> wow. That's probably
0: that's, that's probably what they're worth. <laughs>
1: Not didn't you hear Stephen five hundred million? Come on.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, on paper.
2: (laughs) To be fair, the exchange rate between the dollar and the rand right now is pretty favorable. But uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's it's stupid, and who knows? But at this point, basically, the government sort of can't let it collapse, but also because of the impact of the people, but also can't afford to keep it running, and so. Finding new outside money is going to be critical. And, mm. you know, it's not like Comair, which is the other local airline or anything else down there, is doing any uh, reasonable levels of business right now just because they're also shut down for COVID.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, with that, did they talk anything, uh, talk at all about the impact of COVID and like what they see long term? Like, does that, imp- is that calculated into their basically financial outlook?
2: I, I think it sort of is. Uh, mm. But, um, not enough to really matter. Uh, for what it's worth, also, sorry, I did decide to Google, does a battery weigh less when it's discharged? And the answer is technically yes, but it is not in a scale that can be measured by modern technology. There you go, Fuzz. Google. The, the, the entire Chevy Volt battery of 16 kilowatt hours would uh, lose approximately 0.6 times 10 to the negative ninth uh, kilograms, half a microgram.
0: <laughs> I'm learning all kinds of new terms today. Microgram. Didn't know that existed.
2: Dude, that's the glory of the metric system. <laughs> you start with the unit and then you just put the prefixes in front of it in either direction.
0: Oh, oh yeah. I'm sure now I'm sure we're going to get some feedback. You have like pedagrams. If
1: you get big enough. <laughs> Decagram.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I mean, do you think then South Africa, this is kind of the death knell or do you think there, no, act- I think they're someone's actually- going to
2: find a way to make this whole disaster keep flying because yeah. that's the way it seems to go.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, I mean, it's sad that, you know, there's people kind of like looking at their jobs and wondering, will they continue to have a job, you know, into the future? Um, but I guess that's the reality of the time that we're in. So,
1: but I mean, I guess, you know, with South Africa, a little more than all Italian, right? The, the country kind of needs it, right? There's not a, a lot of options if it goes away because um, they're pretty isolated in the grander scale. Yeah. Um, when did the, like, the employees recognize that? Like, When did they actually do something fair rather than trying to be so focused on their personal gain? Right, That's really what it comes down to is the employees are asking for a lot of stuff the company can't afford, and that's why they're in the situation they're in. That's a good question. Um,
2: I, I The only thing I'd be careful about is the use of the word fair.
1: Fair is relative.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, I certainly can understand needing to compromise and whatnot as the company is literally collapsing, but – if you look at the history, I think it's fair to argue that there's been significant, shall we say, corruption and sort of skimming at the top as well. So it's hard to.
1: Well, I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. But right, it's on both sides Yeah, is the reality of it, right? The employees aren't doing any favors. And we see this with Alitalia as well. The employees aren't doing any favors to keeping the company alive. So they're kind of taking it down with them. Yes. Um.
0: Seth, you wrote a story about uh, the TSA details of a woman who snuck on a plane in Orlando.
2: You really enjoyed that story a lot.
0: Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's it's just wild.
2: So this is a woman who has since been committed long term to a mental health facility. So take it, take all of it with a bit of a grain of salt. But she decided she wanted to go flying or it was time for her flight. And so she got to the airport in Orlando with and like had a receipt from JetBlue for like a baggage check or something like that, and walked up to the TSA agent on the other side of the airport in the Delta Gates and presented it. And The agent said, This is not a boarding pass, and JetBlue's on the other side of the airport. You need to go over there. She wanders off about 15 or 20 minutes later. Uh, is then seen this is you know determined afterwards from the closed, ca- uh, closed circuit TV monitoring. She is seen mingling with a family of six. And when the agent is sort of sorting through the documents and the papers and everything else for this huge family, just casually slips past. Um, in during the interview, the agent said he didn't see it happen. So fine. Uh, went through the metal detector. Went through the walkthrough, Did the thing. The bag was scanned. You know, came through clean. Actually, they even go so far as to point out that there was an anomaly detected on her chest, and it was cleared by the agent at that point. So, you know, those systems all worked. Got on the tram. Went out to the gate hung out in front of the gate, and then was like, oh, priority boarding started. And apparently what happened is the gate agent took the passenger down in a wheelchair rather than having someone else do it. So the gate was briefly unattended, mm. So, which is, you know, yay, lower staffing, only one agent working the gate. Um, and this person just walked in behind her,
0: mm.
2: behind the agent. And another passenger, when the gate agent came back, was like, hey, th- someone just walked on the plane and you didn't scan them gate agent goes down and is like, hey, did I scan you? And this woman's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got me. I'm in 15A. And the gate agent, not wanting to fight it, not remembering, turned around and went back up to the gate and just started loading everybody else up. Our interloper sits down in 15A and may have gotten away with it were it not for the person who actually held the boarding pass for 15A showing up and saying, Haha, that's my seat, and starting a fight. Um, so, yeah. And eventually the flight attendants were confused, you know, trying to negotiate the whole thing. The woman r- refused to show a boarding pass. Like oh, I threw it away already. Like it was sort of crazy. Um, was finally a gate agent came back on and escorted her off the plane. Uh, the police were called, but like just released her out- outside security even before the TSA inspector could show up to like figure out what was going on, she gave a fake name, uh, and when asked to spell it, said, you figure it out, <laughs> to the police officers. It's just like sort of one after the other, like a sequence of comedy here. But the, the worst part, well, you know, worst is all relative, but after they got her off the plane and everything else, the, the gate agent was also on the phone to Delta's corporate security in Atlanta to figure out what they needed to do. And no one could figure out if they, if this woman had gone through screening. So we know after the fact that she did, in fact, go through screening and it was fine. But at the time, they didn't know for sure. Mm. So they actually had to offload the plane and bring TSA out to the gate and rescreen all the passengers in their bags. Fun. Um, and then put everybody back on board and go. And, like, you know, the bag screen was just a manual inspection. But, uh, yeah.
0: It's wild. It's just wild. I mean, so many kind of, like, missed steps or... Yeah uh missed opportunities to make sure that everything was you know correct with this passenger it, it, and they all lined up right like on the same you know between tsa and her blending in with the family um to to the the agent not remembering if she had scanned her boarding pass i mean it's just kind of yeah. thank thank goodness someone i mean she could have flown if, if yeah. no one had said anything right
2: Sure. I mean, is that the end of the world, though? Honestly, oh no, no,
0: no, no. I, I, I mean, again, she was probably she was probably no threat to anyone. I don't think right. we were any less safe because of it. But it just kind of shows that there's, there's still holes in the system. Yeah. Um, and
2: the TSA would argue that's why we have layers of security.
0: No, oh, yeah, they work so well. <laughs> the, the seat assignment worked.
2: <laughs> when all else fails, <laughs> the seat assignment, so there's a seating conflict.
0: I mean, do you think that if she had said to the other passenger, the one that she had taken the seat, she was like, oh, I'm in the wrong seat, and then, like, gone and sat in another seat, it would have been okay?
2: In theory, the flight attendants should have caught it during a count. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, it's happened before, right? People have flown before, so it doesn't always get caught.
1: Hey, just go hide in the bathroom when they're doing the count. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um anyway, it really was a fun I act, I really enjoyed reading the TSA version of it and then sort of writing an even slightly more amusing version I thought. But yeah, it's it's yeah, you know, it's not a quite a how to guide, but it was close. <laughs>
0: Um,
2: so yeah, you have to, you have to add Foz's advice on hiding in the bathroom. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we do not endorse uh, skipping security or anything. So anyway, um, next story up is Changi at uh, Singapore uh, T five, which is the new terminal that they were in the process of starting to build or uh, planning to build, um, has now been delayed at least two years. Um, and this is this is all due to COVID, though. Right? I mean, it's the whole yes. crux of this. Hands um, down yeah disappointing I, I mean i was kind of looking forward to is Changi's always been one of those airports that i i kind of love i'm not a huge fan of hanging out in singapore uh but i, I love the airport and they've done some cool things um uh, so i was interested to see what they did with t5 uh, i guess i'll just have to wait
2: yeah i mean demand is down there's gonna be a lot of it's i think what we're seeing is projects that are already underway they're accelerating to finish in a mm-hmm. lot of ways um like nashville's opening a new terminal next month uh the, the Delta, uh, the LaGuardia stuff we've talked about, um, you know, there's a few like that where they're trying to push to get it done because it's easier when there's less traffic at the airport, if you can make it happen. Um, but new projects aren't starting because the demand for them won't be there. Uh, Kansas City is still happening. That's another one that's, you know, they're not slowing down or stopping. So
0: I mean, what's crazy, though, is that the at Changi, the, the third runway is done. Right. The new runway that's out to the the southeast. Um, And that's where the Terminal 5 was going to be, was against that runway. Um, And so it's kind of wild. You have this runway. It's just out there not being used because it it can't be. (laughs) There's no connection back to the terminal or any or the old terminals. even. So, yeah, uh, the runway was just for Terminal 5. Uh, Well, no, the runway wasn't for Terminal 5. It's just that they were building. They built the runway and there's taxiways and things that haven't been finished. Um, So that runway is just kind of like out there on its own.
1: But presumably, wouldn't they finish the taxiways, or are they stopping that too?
0: I don't think there's any use for the runway right now because demand is down.
1: But the problem is the runway will atrophy, right? If you don't use it a little bit, yeah, true. It, so it it might be just worth doing it just to use it once in a while. Yeah,
0: and they might be, they might be. I know that, they, that the taxiways were under construction, so um, and they're going to go around the center runway, which is back, connects it back to the main terminal area one, two, and three, so and four, but. Oh, anyway, um, tell me about Cam- Cambodia and the COVID deposits that are required if you want to visit Cambodia.
2: Well, for starters, you can't get a visa anymore. So, uh,
0: <laughs> it's all, it's all a moot it's point. All
2: moot point. Uh, <laughs> they like, they stopped issuing visa on arrival, which was the way most people seem to visit. Uh, certainly Americans cause it was, you just paid the cash and you walked in. Um, Beyond that, though, the and it's not just them, but that was the first story I saw about it. Uh, the Cambodian government is requiring passengers inbound to prove that they have several thousand dollars available to cover the costs of quarantine and or treatment should they contract coronavirus. Hmm. And uh, I think in the case of Cambodia, you are actually expected to produce a deposit, like give them the money to hold in escrow kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um Dubai is opening back up to tourism on July 7th, they announced on Sunday, and they are requiring proof of funds, but not going to hold your money um, for some to a similar extent, though, you either have to demonstrate that you have health insurance that includes, you know, that sort of coverage and documentation that says it does, which by the way, most travel insurance does not include coverage for quarantine and treatment of COVID, as I understand it, or you have to prove that you have enough money to cover your health care costs in a you know, Dubai hospital,
0: hmm. which could be a lot of money.
2: Uh, not nearly as bad as coming to the U.S. Yeah, my, my under, I I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure their healthcare is reasonably priced, even for you know losers like us showing up as freeloaders.
0: So have they said like what that um, is? It just you have to cover some set amount that they estimate for COVID coverage. For Dubai, yeah,
2: I don't remember seeing a number in mm. the uh, what's it called the infographic, but um, yeah, it's you know this is the challenge of opening back up, and then. There's also the you have to produce a a negative PCR test within the last 96 hours, or 72 hours, depending on the country. Cyprus has a like a website you have to fill out mm-hmm. before you show up. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of that's one of the big challenges with travel right now is that the rules are sort of different everywhere. Um, and you know, we've Steve and you and I have both been on, been on Stefan's uh, every passport stamp video chats. Recently, I was scrolling through the group there uh, yesterday, the day before, and someone mentioned that as Americans, they got they, you know, I don't want to say snuck in, but basically snuck into Europe and have been bouncing around various countries that theoretically weren't allowing Americans to show up. Hmm. So it's unclear how strict any of it's being enforced there, but also definitely not something I would uh, trying. suggest trying. Yeah, like that's yeah. just a <laughs> the, the the cost of getting bounced out is going to be nasty. So
1: yep.
0: Yep, um, I mean that's that's one of the things that I I do wonder about is as we as we start to open up more, as more and more countries start to open up, uh, the differences in how these things are happening. Um, it's going to cause a lot of confusion. You're, I mean, hopefully, Timatic or one of these places has this information because when you go to check in for your airline, it's the same thing as having a visa at this point, right? Um, if you don't have this type type of documentation, should they even let you on the plane?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, I don't know that it's being uh, specifically included in Tematic, uh, which is the IATA based document sort of ch- verification resource requirement check that all the airlines and use. And so when a country says this is what we require, they publish it to the, their government publishes it, IATA puts it into a specific database format, and then you can query it and say, if I'm from this country going to this place, stopping here and there along the way, what document and paperwork do I need? Um, mm. So it's a super great resource, but I, uh, yeah, it's it's very complicated right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I was looking, you know, I have my cafe ticket. We've talked about this to death um, to go to Vietnam, to return to Vietnam. And that's now set for September. Um, and if Vietnam was to in, enforce something and say, you know, you have to have proof of you know this type of stuff, I probably just abandon the trip. I, I mean, one, it's not worth the hassle, especially if they're going to hold the money in escrow and all this like it's not worth it, especially for a leisure trip. So anyway, that's my two cents um a320 sim controls so you you sent this to me seth and it's you know you want those i I do i do uh i just don't know what i would do with them (laughs) so there's my simulator well i I mean i need a pc that can can run this but uh, it's basically a one-to-one scale Mm a320 a320 neo uh joystick and side stick um for the a320 if you want to use it as a flight simulator and it's 69 bucks for the side stick. Uh, I didn't see how much, Oh, here it is. The, uh, the uh, super cheap. I
2: actually thought someone's comment was like, I think I would have felt more comfortable with the build quality if they were actually a little more expensive.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is, that is pretty cheap. I mean, the nice ones, you know, are look you're looking at at least a hundred bucks for a nice joystick. Um So there's the dual thrust levers and you can have add on modules as well. And those are, you know, in, in the fifties and $60 range. And I think the, you can do the whole thing, uh the bundle for, over, a little over 160 bucks it looks like. So, very cool if you're a flight sim person and they're they're by Thrustmaster um which has a, you know, a good reputation but it, I do wonder about the build quality. It might be worth picking up just to try it out.
2: Yeah. Uh for what it's worth, Tomatic does have some of the passport data active. I just tried to search for ticket to Greece
0: and it won't let me go. Really? Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Um yeah, but I so, you know, maybe maybe I'll uh, test these uh these, this thrustmaster uh, joystick out.
2: Yeah. You are saying you need to get a gaming PC for that, though, huh?
0: Yeah, I need I need a different PC. I don't I don't actually have anything that'll that'll play it. Uh, a, an air, an, a simulator, right now. So, um, yeah. What else we got? Oh, Frontier and I They've added Las Vegas. Uh, Read one of our listeners sent us this. Uh, so they're now flying, or they're going to fly Islip to Las Vegas nonstop uh, next year. Have, the next year they have they have a weird footprint, don't they?
2: Atlanta, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, West Palm, Fort Myers, Tampa are the other ones I see. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. There's apparently a few others that they didn't fly in February, so I don't have them listed. But mm.
0: um, Vegas kind of makes sense just because of the leisure, leisure destination piece. Um, yeah. But I mean, they've had this kind of foothold in IceLip between them, Southwest, and, and Foss mentioned U.S. Airways slash American fly out of there as well. Um, kind of a strange little foothold.
2: Yeah, I'm actually, they they now are the flight to the most destinations. Uh, Southwest has basically uh, what have? BWI, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, Palm Beach, and Tampa. So some overlap with the frontier routes, and then American flies to Philly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's honestly more traffic than I thought Islip would have. Um, the sort of long haul to Vegas will be interesting. You know, maybe it was Fossey, you mentioned, like, going into the city, if you live on Long Island, so, or going into JFK or LaGuardia sucks, and it would be JFK for a Vegas flight. So. Right. I can understand that there'll be some demand. I do think picking now as a time to go after big leisure demand next year is maybe an interesting choice. But I also don't know if Iceland is helping subsidize some of the new routes.
0: Yeah, but I mean, let, let's talk about that a little bit because one of the next few stories we have is JetBlue kind of doing some weird things when it comes to route expansion and changes to the route network. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do you think this is a bad time? for airlines to kind of go after markets where they have a chance to make a dent.
2: I don't quite get planning eight months in advance right now. Mm. That's would be my only thing. Like, I, mean, I know you have to plan at some point, so fine. And, you know, be willing to make changes and go back on things and switch it around. If it's not working, even before you start flying it, um, which historically we have mocked as the Delta dartboard, but I almost feel like it's vaguely justified at this point, since demand is so much harder to predict and, you know, Estimate yeah, but you know I, I don't see a problem with trying wacky crazy things in some ways, I think the JetBlue stuff is sort of uh, idiot savant type genius of let's just try all these random things that we literally never would have been able to financially justify ever and see if any of it sticks
0: so let's let's go through those changes a little bit what 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 is JetBlue doing that's so different?
2: Well, for starters far you can now fly mint from Newark to LA or San Francisco. Uh, which is exciting. just don't know what the longevity of that would be, but right? And so they're doing I think up to they'll ramp up to three a day for l a and two a day to San Francisco compared to basically hourly service from united. Um, and one could argue this is more of an attack on Alaska, which still has its vestige Virgin America routes operating um but I don't know. There's, it's interesting to me. Um, that's the only premium route they're adding. Everything else is a bunch of three twenties. And like out of Newark, they're doing a bunch of leisure destinations, uh, Charleston and Jacksonville, and then a bunch of Florida stuff. Um, out of Philadelphia, they're doing a bunch of Florida destinations plus San Juan. Hmm. uh, like Fort Myers and Tampa and Sarasota and West Palm Beach are all getting a bunch of flights out of Florida on JetBlue into like Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Providence, Rhode Island. These are very much non-hub to non-hub routes. And those are generally more expensive and more complex to operate because you don't have crew based at one end uh, or planes sitting there waiting. So you got to sort of route them in and out and be careful about timeouts and sickness and all that other stuff. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting decision. And a lot of the stuff isn't starting till October. So they really are making a play on we think we're going to have a decent chance to take away sort of winter traffic uh, demand from legacies or Southwest.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, Chicago's getting a few nonstops to Florida on JetBlue now after barely being able to JetBlue could barely hold on to the Chicago. They had Chicago San Juan for a while, and then they switched it to Chicago, Fort Lauderdale, San Juan. And they sort of given up on that. And now they're bringing it back with a vengeance. Um, it's really interesting. But, you know, the, the important thing to remember here is otherwise the planes are grounded. And the crew is grounded and that costs them money. And so, you know, the threshold used to be, we only have so many planes, we can only get planes so quickly. So any new route we add or anything we operate has to deliver better margins than what it's replacing. And now what it's replacing is literally a plane parked on the ground somewhere that's burning cash. So your, your comparison is basically, can I cover fuel costs at this point? Not real profit, just fuel costs essentially. So, Mm -hmm. um, The the threshold is much lower, but I also have to say to JetBlue's credit, they literally, you know, we all know that every route is always subject to cancellation because if the airlines aren't making money, they're not going to stick around forever. They actually explicitly stated in the press release on this one, you know, to the effect of "We will reevaluate these routes as necessary and only keep the ones that are useful." Hmm. So it's almost like they're admitting they're throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what sticks, but. They're throwing it.
1: It's a good time to take a risk, right? Because your staff costs are paid for by the loans, right? Right. So the question is, what happens October
2: first? Right. And so, if you're JetBlue, a number of these routes launch October first, which is kind of crazy, but
1: yes. But I don't know how that makes sense.
2: Well, I I think what they're hoping is there'll be enough of a recovery in the leisure market that they can again they can afford to fly them cheaper or you know slightly more revenue or net revenue or net money than. Parking them and having the layoffs,
1: but the the challenge is in October. You've in theory, your kids are back at school, right? Yes. Domestic domestic leisure travel is generally the biggest driver is the kids' school uh, schedule. So presumably, the domestic leisure travel will have tapered off by September. So launching these in October, I don't understand how that makes any sense.
0: It's a lot of snowbird routes, and and they probably have to get them uh, somewhat, you know, settled before to get people ready for the Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving holidays, right? They want the routes in place. They want to be able to sell them, that kind of thing. I don't know.
1: It's It's a long runway for holiday travel. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, you know, the routes out of Newark are interesting simply because the amount of space, gate space that JetBlue lacks there.
2: So the other thing to note is, right, they didn't talk about what they're not restoring. And so mm. I think uh, we're going to see things like the hourly shuttle to Boston are, you know, isn't going to come back. I think we may, maybe they'll spread the love in Florida and not have as many flights to other cities where they flew before. Um, so mm. trying to vary it up. Because, right, I mean, JetBlue was already competing with United and against Spirit, um, even after Southwest left. Frontier is showing up. Like, there's a lot of very low yield traffic in and out of Newark down into Florida these days. So trying to find the right bits of that is a challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and along with this, you know, speaking of things that are tough to recover from or, you know, having making long-term decisions, there's been rumors that Lufthansa is going to divest of uh, Brussels airlines, which they own. Um, That's kind of crazy, right? (laughs) It's the national carrier of, of, of Belgium mean, well, you
2: know, only since only since they let Sabina go out of business.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and what is it? Air Air Belgium uh, doesn't really uh, exist anymore either.
1: No, yeah, they're they're flying again, just as a charter operation. Oh no, they're launching new routes to the Caribbean. Oh really? And they're moving to uh, Brussels, uh, one of the routes of Brussels Airport from uh, Charleroi. Ha, ha,
0: what mailing list are you on that you know this? <laughs> <laughs> I just read that somewhere. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. I Didn't know.
1: We'll see uh, if they survive. Right? They actually posted a profit last year because of all the wet lease flying grid they were doing because of the seven eight sevens.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, is that kind of how they're staying afloat right now? Is just wet lease flying and and not
1: now? I assume I, it's re- repatriation charters. Yeah, I don't think they're doing any wet lease flying because I'm pretty sure all those planes got grounded. Mm. Yeah, because I mean they, they were doing things for like uh, a lot
0: and and others.
1: BA, yeah, a lot and BA yeah. were the two big ones.
0: Yeah. Um. And speaking of BA, the 747s are not long for this world. Is that is that what I'm hearing, Seth? Probably, but
2: no one's saying it officially. Huh. Um, there's a a pilot who basically indicated that the company announced indefinite suspension of all training flights for recertification or uh, re, uh, recurrent certification on the 747 fleet. Hmm. Which those cert- that's a, a six month pro- so every six months they have to do it. So if you're uh, if you're if you're not recertifying pilots within six months, you run out of pilots who can fly those planes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's um, I mean so, that's pretty wild because a large chunk of their fleet is seven eighty seven or seven forty seven. Excuse me, it's twenty eight planes I think I counted. Oh, that's all they have left, huh?
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting to me, but you know, can you backfill that with the triple sevens and the 350s and the seven eighty sevens? Probably. Mm, yeah. um, the the other consideration is that remember BA is in a massive fight with all of its unions right now. So is this a negotiating tactic?
0: Hard to say. Wouldn't surprise us if it was (laughs) based on B.A.'s treatment of their employees. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, There's a giant plume of dust from the
2: Sahara Desert that crossed the Atlantic Ocean. It hit Puerto Rico earlier today and is expected to make the southeastern United States coast later this week.
0: Wow. Is it, is it noticeable in Puerto Rico? Like, is it hazy?
2: Yeah. Like vastly noticeable, horrible air quality, obscuring the sky kind of things. Wow. Um, And as this week I approach the, my anniversary with my wife, I have to share our first, I think our first actual trip together after we have been dating for a little while, we went to Europe. Um, We went to Malta and then we went to Rome. And actually met my parents in Rome because they were there for something else. And, you know, I scheduled an extra day. It's like, oh, we'll have drinks and dinner. It'll be great. And we did. And it was fun. But the day that we, the afternoon we were wandering around Rome, one of these storms had crossed the Med going you know, just north, not 5,000 miles west. And it was raining mud. <laughs> So, um, yeah, they're weird, like the, the dust cloud things are super weird and creepy and can be all sorts of messy.
0: Yeah. My, my college experience was in West Texas and one of the, the phenomenons that you get in the summer is that they have plowed, typically plowed some of the cotton fields down. And so they've created a layer of dust. And if you get a thunderstorm that blows through, the first thing that happens is the dust gets kicked up. So you have this red kind of red cloud that gets formed. And then all of a sudden it starts raining and it's raining red mud and basically everyone just pulls over because you can't, your windshield wipers can't clear it fast enough. It's, it's just thick clay mud. Um, and it's, it's, it was first time it happened to me. It was the most bizarre thing. I mean, it's, it's like living through the apocalypse, I think. (laughs) So,
2: so anyway, that's coming to the Southeastern United States, uh, later this week. Good luck (laughs)
0: y'all. Oh man. Well, I think we'll end it on that note guys. We should,
2: we should point out that for our Patreon subscribers, there is more information yet to come
0: yes yes and and we do want to give a thank you to the patreon subscribers we have some new equipment inbound thanks to your support uh for all of us because we are going to make this production a little more professional uh you won't hear any more keyboard taps hopefully it's only going to sound professional it's not actually going to be professional yeah that, that that good point good point uh, so we've gotten some some equipment coming into us based uh or, or thanks to your your support so if you're a patreon supporter we appreciate it uh if not you can support us go to patreon.com and, and look for dots lines and destinations uh you can find us on twitter at dots lines And, uh, of course, at our website, more.smorelines.com. Until next time, happy travels. Bye-bye. Take care.
2: See you later.